Today's Bible reading is taken from Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through to 34, and it can be found on page 1005 of your Bibles. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. And the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still, other seeds fell on good soil. It came up, it grew, and produced a crop, multiplying thirty, sixty, or even a hundred times. Then Jesus said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like the seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, thirty, sixty, or even a hundred times what was sown. He said to them, Do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. 
Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself the soil produces corn, first the stalk, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. Again he said, What shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed you plant in the ground. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them, as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. This is the word of the Lord. One of the big themes we've seen as we've worked through Mark's gospel so far is this theme of teaching. Jesus, right back in chapter 1, gives us his first teaching in verses 14 and 15. We've seen the people are amazed at his teaching in chapter 1, verse 27, a new teaching with authority. We saw at the end of chapter 1 how Jesus um, said his priority was to teach or to preach. That is why he has come. And so now in these four parables, we get an extended piece of his teaching. A parable, um, in its simplest form, I guess, a parable is, is a story with a meaning. But it's, it's a little bit more than just that. It's, it's a slightly, there's a slightly obscure section to it, a nature to it that makes people engage with it, that makes people listen and stop and think about what the meaning of it is. And we're told in verse 13 of our passage this morning that we don't just get any old parable. No, we get the parable of parables, if you like. Here is a parable about people understanding the message that Jesus brings. And so this one helps us understand the message that Jesus brings in all of his parables. We need this one to be able to understand them all. And so as we've heard in these parables, we find ourselves in the garden or on the farm. Now, I don't know much about gardening and certainly not about farming. So it's a good job that Jesus explains these parables so that as we get into the text, we can see what is going on. We can see what happens when the message is spoken. We can see what it's like and what we should expect. And I wonder if you notice, as the passage was read out, as Jesus teaches, he calls us to listen or to hear. Thirteen times in this passage, he calls us to either listen or to hear. I'm guessing Jesus says that because there's a danger that we don't listen or hear. There's a danger today, maybe, in our culture that we're not very good at listening. So often, we want things brief. Just give us it in a tweet, or if we're prepared to read a little bit more, a blog. We don't want to listen for too long. Or maybe it's because we're so quick to speak. We want to get our opinion in, and so we want to share our thoughts or our point of view. Jesus says, listen. So let's listen as Jesus teaches us 
through these four parables. We're going to spend um, longer on the first parable, the longer parable, um, and then shorter on the final three. So don't panic when we get to the end of the first section. You're thinking, oh my goodness, how long are we going to be this morning? We'll speed through the last three and spend more time on the first one. So here's the first one. We see the different responses to Jesus. The different responses to Jesus. Jesus is splitting opinion. Now, lots of things can split opinion. I won't do it right now, but I'm sure if we were to name a few things and do a kind of hands up, we'd see a big split of opinion on different things in the room. Don't worry, don't put your hands up, but sprouts Christmas, in your Christmas dinner will be a split of opinion, yes and no. Um, England's performance against the USA in the World Cup, good performance, good point gained, or bad performance? 27th of November, early to be talking about Christmas, got to wait till the 1st of December before you can put your decorations up, or go for it. Let's get the Christmas music pumping like magic is already going for. Let's get the Christmas films going. Here's one, um, here's a split of opinion I've found, I think most since moving here. Basingstoke, for or against? <laughs> I'm amazed by the number of people. I was chatting to someone yesterday who found out, who was gobsmacked, that I chose to move to Basingstoke. <laughs> I'm still to work out what's so bad about Basingstoke. Rosie and I are enjoying it so far. Um, but Basingstoke, it splits opinions. Jesus is splitting opinion. And we've seen that so far through Mark, haven't we? Remember last week? We ended with the outsiders, the religious leaders, even Jesus' family who don't want to know, and the insiders, the disciples, the tax collectors, the sinners. And so our first parable shows us why there are different reactions to the message. Listen, Jesus says in verse 3, as Jesus tells the crowd a parable. Verse 3, a farmer sows the seed. And it almost looks like he's not a great farmer. He, he, he just scatters seed everywhere. Seed falls everywhere. Verse 4, it lands on the path. And the birds came and ate it up. Verse 5 and 6, it falls on the rocky places. There's, there's a thin layer of soil before you hit the rock underneath. And so the seed can't get a root down deep enough to draw any moisture up. And so the sun comes and scorches it. Verse 7, it falls among the thorns. There's no space for it to grow. It's, it's choked out. And verse 8 some falls on good soil. It comes up. It grows. It produces a crop. And some crop, it's an abundant crop. It's a bumper crop. And then Jesus just finishes, verse 9. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. What's going on? <laughs> That's what the listeners are meant to think. It causes people to respond. Because there'll be some people hit listening and going, I'm just not interested in finding out more. I, I don't want to engage any further and think more about what this is talking about. Whilst there'll be others here listening, and they'll have lots of questions. What's going on? Who, who's the farmer? What's happening with the seed and the soil? Am I in this story? Who am I meant to be? And this is what Jesus shows in verses 10 to 12. 
there's a change of scene. Did you notice it? He moves from the shore with the crowds, and he's now with his followers, the twelves and other people who are following him. You see, it's the insiders who get to hear the parable's meaning. It's the insiders who are engaging and wanting to find out more. The outsiders are disinterested. And these are some tricky verses in verses 11 and 12. And in order to help us understand them, we need to get the context of where they're coming from. Do you notice right at the bottom of page 1006, there's the the little a that points us to Isaiah chapter 6. We need the context tool, as it were, to take us what is going on in Isaiah that helps us understand what Jesus is talking about. You see, the first five chapters in Isaiah, it shows the pride and idolatry of a nation that think they're better than God, that think they're above God, that think they don't need God. And so God says, I will send a prophet. And in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah is sent by God to be this messenger to his people. But God says to Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6, I'm sending you to speak to a people who have already rejected me. And so as you bring the message I tell you to bring, a message that tells them about me, because they've already rejected me, they will continue to reject me, and they will reject you. Their hearts are are already hard, and so they're hardened even more by the message that Isaiah brings. But there was a small remnant who listened to Isaiah. And so here, some are not interested, so their hearts are already hardened. They've already made their mind up about Jesus, so that when Jesus comes to speak, well, they may hear, but they don't listen. They don't understand. They might see Jesus, but they don't perceive Jesus. They don't get him. The parables divide people. People hear, but they don't understand. They don't have a willingness to listen and engage with it. All will see and hear, but only the insiders will engage and want to find out more. And so then Jesus explains what this parable is all about in verses 14 to 20. And so as we go through the explanation that Jesus gives, it's really important to to think about it on two levels. What would it mean for the people there when Jesus is speaking? And what does it then mean for us today? Here's the first part of the explanation in verse 14. The farmer sows the word. We learn that the seed is the word. At the time, it's, it's the words that Jesus is speaking, the message that Jesus, Jesus brings. For us now, it's, it's the words of Jesus as we have them, in God's word, the Bible. And so as the farmer arrives, the farmer is Jesus, as he arrives in Mark and teaches and the words that we have now. And the soils that we see are the different hearts that receive the seed or receive the word. And so, verse 15, some people are like seed along the path. They do hear it, but there's no response. Satan takes it away. They have hard hearts, 
hard, so the word has no effect on them. It's like in the passage, it's the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. They're they're so hardened to the message that Jesus brings. They've already made up their minds about him. I'm sure we'll know people like this in our own lives. Maybe a colleague at work who's just not interested in any time you look to share something of Jesus with them. They've just made up their mind, and so as you look to say more, they almost become more hardened to it. The seed along the path is hard hearts. And then we have the next two soils, and the next two soils seem to refer to the crowds. Both soils initially receive the word, receive the word, receive what Jesus has to say, but it doesn't take root And so first, some people are like the rocky places in verses 16 and 17. They have shallow hearts. They initially receive it with joy, we're told, but but with no roots, when trouble or, or when persecution comes, they fall away. And notice carefully what Jesus says about this soil. Notice first, the troubles and persecutions are because of the word. These are troubles and persecutions faced for being a Christian. The troubles and persecutions we can face for following Jesus Christ. And notice also, it's when trouble or persecution comes. There's an assumption that they will come for people who follow Jesus Christ. What matters is how we respond to them. For these people... It's all too much. They fall away. Maybe you can think back to to friends who who at one stage seemed excited about following Jesus Christ. But when things got harder, when people started to question them, when they found that there is a cost to following Jesus, well, then their enthusiasm just drifted away. The seed amongst rocky places, shallow hearts. And then some people are like seed amongst thorns, verses 18 to 19. These people have crowded hearts. They again hear the word, but but the worries of life, the the distractions, the the temptations, the idols we might have, they, they choke the word. They take away its appeal, its attractiveness. Now, the distractions of of this world will will be a reality for every single Christian, for every follower of Jesus Christ. I wonder what that might look like for you. And, And so often, these can be good things that we are in danger of making the main thing in our life. Our job or our career, our health, our relationships, academic success, comfort or or approval. How can we ensure that as Jesus calls us to in these parables, we're listening to Jesus in God's word in the midst of these distractions? Or when we face the worries of this life, what would it look to as we're called to later on in the New Testament to, to cast our anxieties onto the Lord, to draw near to him, to know that he cares for us. 
the seed amongst thorns, are crowded hearts. And then finally, some people are like good soil, verse 20. They have receptive hearts. They hear the word, they accept the word, they produce a crop. They do what the other soils fail to do. Jesus shows what happens when people are hearing the word from him. Jesus is showing what happens when people today hear the good news about him. Jesus is challenging us about our hearts. Because do you notice it's, it's not the external factors that stop the growth. They're just the circumstances. They're the context into which the seed is looking to grow. It's the type of soil. It's our hearts. So what does it look like then to have good soil, to have good hearts? Maybe you're here this morning and and you came last night and and you've heard something of the good news and, and you want to hear more. What does it look like then to have good soil, to have good hearts? Well, look, have a look at what happens with the good soil in verse 20. The good soil hears the word. What will it look like to ensure we hear the word regularly? And not just regularly as in once a week on a Sunday, but frequently throughout the week as well. The good soil doesn't just hear the word, it accepts the word. Can I challenge you? What are the areas or the parts of God's word that you just don't want to accept right now? Or are tempted not to accept? The good soil hears the word, the good soil accepts the word, and the good soil produces a crop. It it bears fruit. Will we let God's word change us to let it bear fruit in our lives? Do you see the changes that God is doing in your life? Do others see the changes that God is doing in your life? What might these look like? Well, lots of different things, but, but let me highlight the, the fruits of the Spirit from Galatians 5. What will it look like as God's Word is, is sown into your hearts and so changes us so we display the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Will we hear the Word? Will we accept the Word? Will we let it produce a crop, change us in our lives? And will we pray? (laughs) Pray that God will do his work through his word, working these things inside of us. And there's also a challenge for us as, as we go and share the good news of Jesus. Will we go and sow the seed? (laughs) And I think there's a challenge here to to be like the farmer, as we highlighted before, and almost, if I can say it, so recklessly, so extravagantly. Don't go around kind of analyzing the hearts of the people that we might go and share Jesus with, trying to work out what soil they may be. No, the farmer just sowed. So let's go and sow. It's what we want to do next week as we take Christmas flyers into the parish We don't kind of analyze the door and the person behind the door and say, "Mm, is it worth putting one through this door? No, we want everyone to hear. And so we want to give an opportunity to everyone in our parish to come and hear. Will we go and sow? And will we be disappointed but not surprised by a lack of response? 
I'm sure you can all testify to, to these other soils being present when you've looked to share Jesus with other people. And of course, there'll be disappointment. But I think this parable encourages us that we don't need to think we're getting it wrong. Don't be surprised. In fact, this is exactly what Jesus said would happen. It's not taking him by surprise. And so will we trust God as we sow. How can we trust God? Why can we trust God? Well, I think the other three parables show us why. So let's have a look at these other three parables quickly. Here's the first. Jesus is here, so let's listen to him. Jesus is here, so let's listen to him. Verse 21. He said to them, do you bring in a lamp and put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus is here, and some people are trying to stop him from speaking or acting like the Pharisees. We even heard last week his family are trying to to take charge of him. And today we, we can continue to see the efforts of the world around us trying to stop the good news of Jesus. But now Jesus has broken in. Now God's kingdom is coming in Mark and it's ready to be disclosed. It's ready to be brought out into the open. Here is a light that comes to shine into the dark. So don't hide him away. Jesus is here, so listen to him. And we get, again, this contrast in the reactions to Jesus in verses 24 to 25. Consider carefully what you hear. He continued, with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you, and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. So as we receive him, as we keep listening to him, keep telling yourself about him. And as we do that, the promise is that he will continue to work in us and we receive more of him and are changed more by him and grow in him. I'm sure it will be the testimony of so many people in this room as you've followed Jesus faithfully over many, many years. And yet those who continue to reject the message Well, Jesus says, well, they'll get what they want. (laughs) Jesus is here, so listen to him. And then next, God will grow his kingdom, so trust him. How does God's kingdom grow? How does God's, God's word take root and grow in people's lives? Well, we need to plant the seed, verse 26. This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. And so the challenge here is what we saw in the first parable. What will it look like to take this word out and to scatter the seed? As we've heard, who are the people that you could invite to the Christmas services coming up next month? How does God's kingdom grow? Verse 27, night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself the soil produces corn. It is God who produces the growth. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ that is powerful. It's the power of God through his Holy Spirit, through his word, that enables the kingdom of God to grow. So let's trust him. 
is something we've seen here at St. Mary's. It's been a wonderful privilege since I've arrived to hear the history of St. Mary's and the growth that God has done through this church, that we've outgrown the old church, and so we need to build a new building. And look at us now. Dare I say it, do we need to knock this down and build a new building? It's not down to you. What an encouragement that is to hear. And so, verse 29, the harvest comes. How do we know the harvest comes? Well, because God will grow his kingdom. And so as we finish in the final parable, we see his kingdom will grow. So praise him. Verse 30, again he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? What parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed you plant in the ground. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch on its shade. Our final parable is about the size of God's kingdom and how much it grows. Now, just in case there are any botanists in the room, let me just do a little bit of fact-checking. Right now, the orchid seed is, in fact, the smallest seed in the world. But when Jesus was speaking, the known smallest seed was the mustard seed. And so he's not comparing it with all seeds, but with the seeds that farmers in that first century would know about. And so the mustard seed being the smallest seed would grow large enough that uh, birds could come and nest in its its branches. Do you see what Jesus is saying about the kingdom of God? That even though it may start out so small and, and almost barely visible, it will grow to a great size. Kingdoms may rise and fall but God's kingdom will never fall. Think back to the first century. Looking at Christianity, you'd think it was pitiful. It had no chance of growing in amongst the Jewish establishment or the Roman Empire. And yet, AD 70, the Jewish establishment falls. And yet, AD 476, the Roman Empire falls. And yet, Christianity started out with just 11 disciples. And it grew to 120 at Pentecost on AD 33. And it continues to grow to over 2 billion Christians today. Kingdoms may rise and fall. God's kingdom will last forever. And so even today, as we're told the world is getting more and more secular, the church grows across the world. The church is growing across Africa and Asia and Latin America. Did you know the country where the church is growing at its fastest? Iran. Isn't that spectacular? The persecution, the oppression against its own citizens, let alone Christians, and yet God's kingdom will grow. Be encouraged. Even though the gospel may seem small and may seem unimpressive to the world around us, God is in charge, and God will grow his kingdom. So as we see many different reactions to Jesus, let's continue to listen to him. Let's continue to trust him. Let's continue to praise him. Let me pray for us now. Father God, thank you for the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you that as Jesus appears on the scene in Mark and preaches the word, 
we see these different reactions to Jesus, as we do today here in Basingstoke in the UK, as we look to share the good news of Jesus. Lord, help us to not be surprised at a lack of response. But Lord, we pray that the seed, the good news of Jesus, will take root and grow in people's lives. And so we pray that your kingdom would continue to grow, both here in Basingstoke, across our country, and across the whole world. Help us to trust that you will grow your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.